of all the venues here on Dean Street, the Soho Theater, uh, located conveniently mm, next to an ATM and, uh, and all, the, uh, all the refugees you can handle on the street up there. It is a human zoo out on Dean Street, and it's one of the funnest places you could possibly go in all of London, so thank you very much for coming out. If you're listening uh, while you're riding your bicycle, be careful, there's a cow. Um, if you're driving right now, uh, awesome time to pull over and have something to drink and then get back on the road. Uh, if you're driving in London, fuck it. The traffic's not moving anyway, so you can drink all you like and no one will really fucking notice at all. Uh, if you're at home and you're making tea or you're planting something or you're multitasking at this point, put down whatever you're doing and uh, give me all your attention and don't pay attention to anything else, including your children when they start squealing for food uh, and shit like that. Uh, so it's nice to be back here in uh, Londres again. I can't remember where we were last week. Oh, Los Angeles. We were at the... Fortress of Fruititude for one of the studio shows, or the Porpoise of Fruititude, if you will. Uh, none of the rest of the shows this year will be, uh, yes, the Porpoise of Fruititude. He's a gay little porpoise, and he just, he's really, you know, his blowhole is so commodious. The thing is, about the Porpoise of Fruititude, is he never says nay, he always says yay. Um, it's a... Uh, <laughs> We're, we're doing them all live from uh, here on out for the rest of the year and jazz like that. Yes, I'm going to wave at myself and create a breeze that'll come over the microphone and people out there listening in podcast land will be like, wow, is there like a stiff breeze blowing underneath the streets of London? No, it's me fanning myself like a Tennessee Williams character. Uh, for those of you listening in America, Tennessee Williams was a playwright. For those of you listening even further in America, a play is when people get up on stage and talk and there's a script to it. And there's a curtain and whatnot. You know, like Shakespeare or whatever, and Neil Simon. Uh, and if you're listening in America even further than that, um, I'm free to say whatever I like here, so gird your fucking loins. Uh, if you normally listen to Fox News, welcome. Break on through to the other side. Uh, if you normally read The Guardian every day, I'm sorry. Um, the bitterness in your life will one day abate. When you realize everyone's not going to do what you want. I understand they want to ban smoking in parks here in London. That's a great idea. Why don't we ban smoking in the one place where there's fucking fresh air in this town? Uh, I was walking down the street today, and I'm always reminded whenever I come to London, uh, you know how they, they say there's sense memory and shit like that? Especially when you're an, uh, a, an actor. They go, they take you through all these uh, exercises when you go to acting class and stuff, and they're like, remember a time in your life that you were really, you know, lonely, or remember a time in your life when there were apricots all around you? And, yeah, useless shit that you can't... They really do things like pretend you're a tree and you're like, I'm never going to play a tree in a play. If I am, I'm quitting acting, okay? I didn't, I didn't get into this to be part of the set. I got into this to stand out in front and waggle my dick at the fucking crowd because I'm a fucking show-off. That's the reason I got into acting. I don't know anyone who got into acting to be an inanimate object. In any case, they do sense memory. And they say that fish uh, uh, have no sense of smell, which is, uh, uh, you know, convenient since they smell so awful after a couple of days on land. And... Um, but they say that they can, they can find the place of their birth or the place where they spawned or the place where they, their milt was spilt, if you will, and uh, whatnot. Uh, and whenever I come back to London, I always remember living here because of that smell of fucking diesel in the air. A giant double-decker bus will go by and I'm like, I'm late. 
and then your eyes start to burn and then you reach inside your nose and pull out a fucking giant black granule and shit like that that has done all you've done is walk down the streets of London and somehow it's collected in all your orifices orifici orifi orifi orifati all the holes in your head is where you reach into your ear and you're like wow I didn't know there was room for like a lobster and a fucking piece of coal up there but somehow just walking around London it happened uh I don't think they should ban smoking in parks here. I don't think they should have banned smoking in bars here. I'll be quite honest. It would have been a lot funner if everyone could be smoking down here. And there's nothing that this city wouldn't be cured of with a couple of medical marijuana dispensaries kicking around. I was just in... I was in Washington State last week. In fact, four days ago, I was in the city of Seattle. And uh, Seattle's a lovely place, uh, especially if you're a raindrop. And... um, It's it's an ancient Indian word that means moisture. And... uh, but, but they sell marijuana there now. Uh, they don't sell it on the street. There's not like a booth and shit like that. There's no, Seattle did a very poor rollout. I haven't been to Colorado yet, but evidently in Colorado, you can pitch up to one of many places and you just walk in, you show your ID, you have to be 21, all right? And I, I love it when they card me. I love being carded. Uh, I used to hate it and think it was a hassle. Now that I'm in my late 30s, I, uh, I fuck you, fuck you, that's not even funny. I love it when people, uh, like, you know, you go to buy alcohol and they're like, can I see your ID? And I'm like, really? Hell yeah. Not only can you see my ID, I've written a short poem about the year I was born. There wasn't space travel yet. And there was no color television. How's that fucking grab you? And then they look at me and they're like, what's television? I don't watch that much. I'm like, if you did in the 90s, you would know who I am. Um, We were talking about it the other night. Some of my celebrity friends and I, we were sitting around at a celebrity table having a celebrity meeting and... uh, we were drinking, of course, and uh, at that point we were discussing when people come up to you and go, uh, my favorite thing anyone's ever said to me, and I may have said it before on the show, but it's worth repeating because it was very good. I was at a place in Burbank that is no longer there. Burbank is a small, uh, hideous principality adjacent to Hollywood, and uh, there's several studios there and whatnot. There's also a restaurant called Bob's Big Boy that has a giant fat l- a logo. It, it, it's a statue of enormous fat guy with like a 1950s coif haircut, and uh, he's carrying a platter of burgers. and whatnot. Across the street from Bob's Big Boy was a place called Papu's Hot Dog Show. And this is what's missing from California. If you'd been there in the 60s when everybody had a surfboard across the USA uh, and we were going to Surf City because it's two for one, two girls for every boy, um, then you would have been there when there were hamburger stands fucking everywhere. And there's a million hamburger stands in Los Angeles. There's Tommy's and that comes with chili on it. Like if you order a Tommy burger, it comes with chili on it. So don't go there. Don't go to LA. Go, I went to Tommy's and they put fucking canned chili. They, they put shit tin chili on my burger. That's the specialty. And then there's In-N-Out Burger, and there's a secret menu at In-N-Out Burger, right? Like, you can have a regular In-N-Out Burger. And there's only two items on the menu, which is the best part of In-N-Out Burger. There's a hamburger and french fries. That's, and there's pictures of both of them. And <laughs> should you become disoriented while ordering? But you don't have to order the burger the regular way. You can order a protein, and that means no bread, because everyone in L.A. doesn't eat bread. Because if you eat bread, you'll gain weight, and if you gain weight, no one will cast you, and if no one casts you, then no one will sleep with you, and you don't have to kill yourself. So... Your self-esteem is based completely on what you're consuming at all times. And people in L.A. are completely food-phobic, so every moment of their lives they discuss what they're about to eat or what they ate before. Whereas in London, people only discuss things like, oh, I shagged this girl last night. Do you know her? No, we were all out in a big group. And, uh, you know, this is the kind of conversations you hear in London. In Los Angeles, people would go like, yesterday I ate half of a donut. <laughs> You're like, just fucking die, okay? Put the donut in your larynx next time, and that way I won't have to listen to you talk about what you ate. So that's called protein style. And so how do you eat it, though, Greg? You're at a hamburger stand. They put a piece of lettuce around it. So you hold a piece of lettuce and try to keep that burger from shooting out. You go out like that, and it goes, boom, out the back of the lettuce. 
And then there's protein, that's protein, and then there's animal, and that means it's got grilled onions cooked into it with mustard and whatnot. So you can order animal fries, and that means they're slathered in fucking onions and mustard, right? It's pretty wild. Uh, and then, so there's those ones, and then there's like uh, Tico's, ta- Tico's Tacos, Tico's Tacos, uh, down on Washington. And Tico's Tacos, they sell tacos by the box. And when you get the box, it's completely soaked through with the oil from the tacos. Uh, you have to go there if you go to L.A. Get as high as you can possibly stand. <laughs> Because when it comes, the first one's hard to get down, but the third one's impossible to stop. <laughs> Slides right down. Can you buy marijuana on the streets in L.A.? If you know where to go. Uh, if you're cool, since you have an English accent, I would just swan into any dispensary and go, uh, can, we, can we buy a... Can we buy, what, what, what do you guys call it? Uh, can we buy some, you know, ch- pink kinkajou? Because you guys call cocaine Charlie, which no one has called it in the United States since 1974. So if you actually met a dude who sold coke in the United States and went, got any Charlie? They'd be like, yeah, I just sold it to Loggins and Messina. So there's none left. Loggins and Messina were a group. They were popular in the 70s. Greg, I think you'll find they were a duo. Ergo Loggins and Messina. Uh, (coughs) They had other musicians with them, though. But you call weed blow, and we call coke blow. So if you go up and walk into a, a medical marijuana dispensary in Hollywood and go, do you got any blow? They're going to be like, hey, you're going to get us shut down, bro. <laughs> take it ease. Um, although if anyone in California says, take it ease to you, you know you walked into New Jersey by accident. Uh, I would walk in with my British accent, where are you? And go, do you have any marijuana? And they're like, do you have a, a medical marijuana card? And you go, oh, I did, but I, I've left it in Preston. No one in America knows where anything in England is. We barely know that London is a city, and people do say this to me, because I'll go, I was in London, and they'll go, really, London, Paris? (laughs) Yes, the Twin Cities, uh, connected by that land bridge. I would just try my luck where I am, because um, English accent goes a long way in America. First of all, they're going to think you're Australian for the first half an hour. And then after that, who cares? Oh, I left something in the dressing room. Oh, fuck, I'll vamp while I do that. Uh, In any case, uh, 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 some medical marijuana dispensaries wouldn't go bad. I was in Seattle, and uh, I wanted to get some dope, and I thought, well, you can buy it legally now. In Colorado, they've limited it to one-eighth of an ounce. That would be seven grams, not that I know metric system. And um, seven grams of marijuana is an eighth of an ounce. And uh, so uh, in Colorado, it's an eighth. And the reason why Colorado did that was because they're next door to Kansas. And Kansas is, it's never uh, 2014 in Kansas. It's always 1420. Uh, They're very narrow-minded in a lot of ways in Kansas. They're lovely people, uh, mind you. But they're very huffy about the whole Colorado making marijuana legal. And, of course, there's the whole driving over the border from Colorado with a big bag of weed into Kansas. Who's to stop you? They don't have a marijuana patrol running up and down the border. We have no more functioning government in the United States. So the idea that they're actually going to... Yeah, at the Colorado airport, at the Denver airport, evidently there's bins you can throw your dope into. Fuck that shit. Come and get me, copper. I'm at 30,000 feet. Take this vape pen from... You can, you can have my fucking hash pipe when you pry it from my cold, dead fingers. If fat motherfuckers wearing a gimme cap can walk into a Chipotle wearing an M16 on their back and say they're striking a blow for freedom, I can bring a joint on a fucking plane. Exactly. It was Marvin Gaye who said, fly high in the friendly skies, and he wasn't fucking kidding about that. But don't you think it would calm things down a little bit? I mean, like, when you leave this place and you go outside on Dean Street at the end of the night, and the bars are open all night now in London. Well, not all of them, but some of them are. There's so many drunks standing outside, and there's that band that's playing two doors down that walks up and down Dean Street. Has anyone seen that? That aggregation of fucking gypsy fucking musicians who are none of them acquainted with their instrument whatsoever. That's the best part of their playing. 
you're playing guitar. Why are you doing that? <laughs> and, uh, and then you see drunks push into each other and fight you and shit. And, or you know how in London, you know this one. There's the many kinds of drunks. There's the one you walk by and they bang into you. And, and you go, hey. And they go, sorry. And then... <laughs> Then there's the one that bangs into you and you go, hey, and they go, cunt. And you're like, I, uh, uh, sorry. No one ever says excuse me here. Evidently, everyone's very sorry for everything that ever happened. If you say excuse me, everyone stops and goes, why? What did you do? Uh, and like that. So uh, some medical marijuana places on the street, Washington style. So I got online and uh, I goes on the interwebs and I find a guy and he's right around the corner from my hotel. And I call the dude and I go, do you have a storefront? Can I come in? He goes, no, we're a delivery service. I go, well, will you deliver? And he goes, I'm a block away, man. Phone me and I'll come down. So what was supposed to be a legal marijuana transaction where you walk into a store and go, good morning, Mr. Gunderson. I'd like an ounce of your finest BC bud. <laughs> oh, hello, Jimmy. That's how all Americans are. He's, he, he, by the way, he has a feather duster and he's dusting the dope off with it. Bring, 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 bring. Oh, morning, Greg. How are you? Hi, Mr. Gunderson. Oh, you brought a little friend with you, Greg. Oh, I don't know this guy. He just came in under me. Uh, and then they hand you a bag of marijuana and you give him the money. So I had to phone this dude and I go, uh, I'm out in front of the thing. Where am I? And he's like, go to this in front of the cafe. So I go and stand on there and he comes down with a paper bag that says, Seaweed. S S E A W E E D and we deliver and it's got the number on it. And so what I thought was going to be a legal dope transaction, which in fact was a legal dope transaction, you're allowed to buy an ounce of marijuana in the state of Washington, has turned into an illegal drug transaction on the street. What, what I wanted was the comfort of walking into a place like in Amsterdam. Although in Amsterdam, it's hilarious because you pick up the menu and it's chained to the counter like that. And you're like, really? Who steals the menu? Like, I'm going to take this home, man. I've never seen the word Cannabis Cup winner written next to Moroccan and Beluga fucking snowflake teepee to hatch a pee fucking... Like, really? Uh... And sometimes the, marijuana, the, the menu in, in, uh, in Amsterdam is underneath the counter, underneath a lucite thing. But I've never been into a, a, a dope store in Amsterdam where the dude didn't have three days' growth of beard and was a high as fuck. And you think, how can you count? You know? Because the dispensary near my house in L.A., when I go to that one, sometimes they're smoking weed inside. And they'll go, hey, Greg! <laughs> And I'll go, I'll have this, I'll have this, I'll have this. And then they go, right. They write it on a pad. It's the most inefficient process in the history of mankind. <coughs> you wanted a vape pen, and you wanted some of the bubble hash, and you wanted some of the tangerine dream, and two of the edibles. And then they go behind the counter, and they're like, what did he want? <laughs> tangerine dream. It takes like a year. And then they're in there getting high. And then they, they have a cash register and you have to pay cash in California. This is what America, we've legalized marijuana in two states, but we don't allow the use of credit cards to buy it. Because whatever money you make from buying, uh, selling dope is cash money dope. You can't bank it. So you tell me how this fucking works. Evidently, Colorado made $5 million in the first week uh, of selling marijuana, all in cash. So there are wagons of cash rolling around the states, uh, which makes it an even more gangster situation. So this dude comes downstairs, I phone him, and he comes down and hands me the bag, and I give him the money, and I'm like looking around, and I thought, fuck it, I don't have to look around. If a cop drove by, I could be like, wow, look at me, I'm Sandra D. From the movie Grease.
if you had medical marijuana stores up and down Dean Street, they would, it would cut down on the fighting. Then when you bumped into the guy and went, hey, he wouldn't go, oi, fuck off, mush, or whatever. He would go like, huh, yeah. <laughs> Sidewalks are small. <laughs> Looking for Trafalgar Square. And the answer to that is, I hope you find it, man. <laughs> See the telecom tower? Yeah. Weird, isn't it? <laughs> Changes colors. All night. Now it's green. Do you know where Trafalgar Square is? Yeah. I wouldn't go there if I was you. There's a statue of George Washington there. There is. And one of Lincoln as well. What do you do, walk around London looking for statues of dead presidents? The crowd goes quiet. <laughs> they got Washington? Uh, the new theme song, by the way, it's the first time we played it here in London Live, uh, is by Nick Franklin from uh, Lemon Jelly and so many other groups. Uh, he, he did it for us, uh, and it's called The Cat with the Hat. And if you want, or The Cat with the Cat, I don't even know the name of my own fucking theme song. <laughs> The one we used before was by Jaw Wobble, but uh, I was using it sort of without any permission from Jaw Wobble, as so many people do on the internet. Uh, even though I adore Jaw Wobble, and if I'd asked him, he probably would have said yes, because he seems like a nice person. Uh, he often sits when he plays the bass. Uh, in fact, I don't think I've ever seen Jaw Wobble standing. Um, I assume he can stand, because he has to go get the bass. <laughs> but one presumes that, because uh, he always sits, even in public uh, image, he sat. Uh, and, and in his own group, he sits whenever you see Jaw Wobble. He's sitting. Uh, play. Now he wears a hat, uh, but uh, I didn't ask him to write a theme song for me. I simply stole his song that he had written called Yalili Ali I never knew that, how to pronounce it. Um, and it was on an album called Arabesque Zuj. But so people, this is the new theme song, and uh, it's called The Cat with the Cat, and Nick Franklin wrote it. And if you want to hear it, you can go to my website, gregpoops.com, and play it. I, I should probably put someplace where everybody could download it. That would be more egalitarian, but I'm not very technical, and it would require me uh, doing something. And I'm very busy buying marijuana on the streets of Seattle. My, my days are rife and redolent and rich and, and uh, filled with stuff to do uh, and shit like that. So uh, uh, I'm standing on the corner um, watching all the girls go by. And I'm standing on the corner tonight. I'm going to meet my wife and everybody. We're going to dinner. Uh, we were going to a, um, a little place called the Celebratron. And uh, we had a celebrity table in the corner of the Celebratron. And we ordered celebrity soup. And... Uh, and they said, uh, Greg, should you really be ordering that? Uh, that's A-list soup. <laughs> you may want to aim a little lower on the menu there. Go for the combo platter. Why don't you get the where are they now meets the fucking you're on the internet. <laughs> and I always think self-deprecation goes down a treat here in London. Doesn't mean my ego's any smaller. Tell me about it. Shut your fat one. And, uh... Uh, I'm standing on the corner, as one does. I'm waiting across the street. And uh, it, it, was his do it was a weird corner. It was on Piccadilly. So it was, it, it was kind of difficult to know when you were supposed to go because there wasn't really a walk, don't walk thing. And You know, I don't know if you've been to the cities where there's like a, a, a walk, don't walk for the deaf or whatever. So it'll go, meep, 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 meep. Walk, walk. And then, weep, 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 don't walk. It's louder than fuck. I remember staying in Birmingham once outside the bull ring and a woo indeed. And I was on the sixth or seventh floor of the hotel 
and it was when they first put them in in the 90s. And all night long, walk. Don't walk. And it was like, I just really felt like yelling down, is anybody deaf waiting for the light? Because I'm willing to fucking sit up here all night and just go, 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 go. Oh, don't fucking go. It was loud. It was too loud. Uh, but there's nothing of that sort of Piccadilly. So cars going by, bikes and whatnot. Oh, these people, you know, uh, the dudes in suits who work in the city who are dicks, you know. And then, and then uh, uh, the people who uh, are, are wearing two uh, uh, earbuds and looking at their phone and not looking at them at all. And you're like, how do you get through London without getting crushed? Who, how do you not get creamed by a fucking bike messenger or a motorcycle at any point? Um, and uh, a guy walks by me and he's yelling into his phone. And this is what he said. He thought he was dying, so he told her everything. <laughs> you can't just chop a conversational nugget like that. There is far too much in there for me to even begin to begin to pretend to not be fascinated by what the fuck's going on. Who is he and why did he tell her? Was there someone else? Was she important in the, in the chain of events that he was dying? Or was he dating another guy? And that's why he had to tell her, because he was dying. Or what was he dying of, for that matter? And, and, and it, it took dying, it took him knowing he was dying to tell her everything. So what had he withheld from her before? Was he a submarine captain? And then, right. And then the, he, he had to disclose to her, I've, I've been taking these trips to, uh, down below the equator. Uh, and, and I... And when I get there, I fill my mouth with other men. And, and, and what is it he told her? Why was he dying? You don't just walk by me. Fucking text me. Tell me what's going on. I almost felt like chasing him down the street. And I'm like, what's he dying of? Because what if it had been like, he's dying of boredom. They'd be like, well, that's a bit underwhelming. I was hoping he got hit by a bolt of lightning and he was suffering. You know, he was laying there smoking. You know, like, thing coming off his head. I was like, oh, I, I'm almost dead. I'm almost dead. I have to tell you something. I've hidden a bunch of money under a clunk, you know, or whatever, right? I mean, there's a million things it could be. I, I, we'll come back to that. I think that's really the, the theme for tonight. And I need you to use this the next time you're waiting at a bus stop here in London. <laughs> right before you get on, go, He's, he, he thought he was dying, so he told her everything. And have everyone go, What? <laughs> This Sunday, let's meet at Regent's Park Zoo in front of the penguin enclosure. You'll recognize me. I'll have a snow cone. And it, or what, whatever they sell at Regent's Park, I'll have a deep-fried lard brick. And I'll be gnawing at it in front of the penguin enclosure. And right when you walk over to him, I'm going to go, oh, I'm so glad you're here. He thought he was dying and he told her everything. And then we're going to run away from everyone else at the penguin enclosure. And all the penguin people are going to be like this and all the penguins are going to be like, come back. Dying of what? Because they want to know. Is there like a huge storehouse of cuttlefish somewhere? Or mackerel or whatever. I don't know what penguin eat. I know they don't smell that fucking good. They smell fishy. They're super cute, but they smell fishy. I mean, I'm not complaining. Obviously, they're sea creatures. I prefer a seaweed diet to a sea creature diet. I seaweed, I smoke weed. Uh, but I think it's a good idea to start or end every conversation when you're near people with that because it's really leading. Uh, an article I wanted to pass along. Oh, I have, to, uh, I have to get a book from the other room. Oh, fuck it. We'll just keep doing the show. That'll be funnier. Uh, <laughs> people write me, and uh, what do they say, Greg? Well, all manner of things. 
Um, we heard you were dying, so we wanted to tell you everything. We were listening to your show and we heard you dying, so we thought you should tell everything. Why won't you tell everything when you're dying? Fanmo4greg at gmail.com is uh, what you email me at. Uh, Smartestatusfisherthing.com if you want to ask a question. So people write me for fanmail uh, for greg at gmail.com. I do read them all. I haven't been answering a lot of them lately, but uh, that's because there's a lot of, to answer. But this person wrote me, Mark, and they wrote... Um, an article I wanted to pass along. Thank you for podcasting. Normally, I ask people to say hello to the National Security Administration in America because uh, Gmail is Google Mail, and as you know, Google is... And, and, you know, this is what I love about uh, giant corporations. I've been complaining about Google for the last, what, two, three years and saying that they're completely pliant with the government's wishes. As you know, all the giant tech companies like Twitter and Google and Facebook and all that shite uh, and Snapchat and Instagram and Chip Chap and Kudalabada uh, barf up all the information that they possess about you to the government immediately. They, they, and, but people write me and go, hey, they're forced to do it, man. I mean, you know, they didn't, they, you know, and then they'll send me an article, Google forced to comply with, fuck you, they weren't forced to do it. The people who run all the giant tech companies in the world are fucking icky white guys like every other goddamn corporation. Just because it's a tech company and it comes over your phone and you have fun with it in your game or whatever doesn't mean they're benign. They're still fucking capitalist fucking fuckpods too <coughs> who don't have a progressive agenda. Just because they don't wear a suit to work. I don't know if you saw the rollout of the new Apple iPhone 6 where the cord doesn't fit your iPhone 5 or whatever. And the way the dude was dressed, who's the head of Apple, who, you know, whatever, Steve Jobs after birth or whatever he's calling himself, they always wear those horrible glasses like they've never been to an optometrist in their life. Like they bought their glasses in eighth grade and they stayed with the same style or whatever. And the high-waisted pants and the phone attached to the belt. And, the, and there's always a really fucking stupid 80s slideshow behind them or whatever. And the phone comes out and they're like, if you press this part, it goes bloop, bloop. It's like, it's a phone. We know what the fuck it's got. There's a bunch of apps that allow you to do grinder and there's a pedophile app for you know and i know i know what's on the fucking phone and then people did you download the app that allows you to find other douchebags within a 12 kilometer douchebag radius or whatever i don't need it i can see people with their phones i know they're a douchebag but he, he walked out there and like are you supposed to be sexing me up by wearing fucking levi's dockers and a fucking work shirt and shitty glasses and an awful haircut why don't you ride out on a unicycle wearing a fucking red tuxedo with a duck balanced on your head and have a beaver shoot the phone out of its ass at the audience and then have a spider operate the phone? Like, and then the spider, and it jumps back into your pocket or whatever. That would impress me. I don't want some white guy to come out and go, the Apple phone is one of the most advanced of all the technological phones. And all, no, he's wearing... The Apple phone is one of the most technologically advanced of all the phones. Fuck you, put some clothes on. I don't buy the whole, because we don't want to wear a suit, we're asked, you know, because people who wear suits, are, they're, they're the man and shit like that. No, they're fucking not. Uh, talk about a book and its cover and shit. The, 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 the little fucking, uh, what's his name? Mark Fuckerberg, the one who owns Facebook. <laughs> He wears flip-flops and a hoodie, and that's supposed to make him a man of the people. Have you ever gone on, have you been on Facebook lately? There's more ads than you could possibly imagine, and all of your older relatives are on it. It is like going to the uncoolest family reunion you've ever been to in your life. There are more bromides, maxims, and horrible fucking sayings that are supposed to lift your spirits up. There'll be a picture of a snowflake, and it'll be like, everyone's an individual. And you're like, you're not. 
you're the bottom of a giant pile of shit. And you're indiscernible from the other microbial pieces of shit that are all around you because you're running the same fucking cliched hackneyed bullshit on me trying to make me feel better. I love that he tried to create it so that students would have a way to communicate and students have barfed it back so long ago. The only people left on Facebook are my older brothers and sisters and 12-year-olds. And if you think that's a a crowd you want to run with, good for you. If Facebook, uh, if a joint could pop out of the computer fully realized, made out of that, you know how they have like, you know, the, oh, they can make hearing aids out of paper now. You know how everything, everything comes out of a copier and they fold it up and like, oh my God, it's a dildo, you know, or whatever. And they're like, start to, like, I want Wonka Vision. You remember in the the movie, Gene Wilder would go, it's uh, it's Wonka Vision. And Mike TV goes, it's television. And he goes, it's Wonka Vision. (laughs) And he takes a candy bar and the candy bar's huge and then it broadcasts across the top of the screen and ends up in a TV and then he pulls the candy bar out of the TV where's that fucking technology Mark Fuckerberg really I have to look at ads and shit like that uh, would you like to meet women who like shit you like no I'd like you to leave me alone I'd like to know that I'm not being watched every second I'm on here because I press a button for something I don't want to get inflatable sheep ads the rest of my life okay it's one night it's late you buy a sheep all of a sudden, you've got a Facebook reputation. <laughs> but I don't give a damn about my bad reputation. No, 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 no. Not me, 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 me. <laughs> I believe it was Joan Jett who originally said that. Anyway, Mark, thank you for sending me this. But he didn't say, usually people say, fuck you, NSA, and shit like that. Uh, but they had to do it, man. They had to. Yeah, during Nazi Germany, people were following orders. The one big out that everyone has all the time is, well, I work for a company and it's company policy, it's procedure. How about being a human ever during your life? How about breaking out of company policy? How many times, like, I get asked for ID. It's not because I look so young. I know I didn't waft in and they're like, my God, did springtime just arrive on a a zephyr? What, what, What is this snail that brought a caterpillar on the back of it and a butterfly burst forth? Oh, my God, how young are you? Too young to buy these, mister. It's because it's corporate policy. I was at the Los Angeles airport, and there was a 75-year-old couple sitting next to me. They're easily 75. And the guy goes, I'll have a beer. And the guy goes, can I see your ID? And the guy went, really? And he's like, it's, it's policy. And I thought, you know what? Fuck you. It's a stupid policy. Corporations don't make rules so that your life will be easier or that anything will be better or that life will be funner. They make them to fuck around with you at all times. Before we came here a couple of days ago, we were reading that, uh, when I say we, I mean my wife and I. No, I mean the entire country of America. We all came over together in a giant jet that they were going to start doing Ebola temperature checks at Heathrow. There's a fucking idea. Um, First of all, they couldn't find shit in a fucking bag of shit in Heathrow. I don't know if you've been into America and dealt with the security people there, but um, uh, if, if the Islamic State walked into the airport with fucking machine guns loaded and severed heads in a bag, the TSA people would be like, okay, get in line over there. I mean, you know what I mean? They're only going to go by the rules. There's no breaking out of the rules at any point. Uh, by the time you get to Heathrow... Uh, She'll be rising by the time I get to Heathrow. 
Uh, by, the, by the time you get to Heathrow, you're sweating and, and miserable. You've been in a, a bus or a, a, a tube or a, a car or whatever, and you get out and you've got all your bags and you're pushing the cart and shit like that. And then you get in and you're like, then you get in the line and there's an endless fucking security line and there's no air conditioning and shit. And then I'm pouring sweat by the time I get to the security line. If they took a temperature check on me, they'd be like, fuck, you've got everything. You don't just have Ebola. You've got dengue fever and the yaws. I think you've got rickets and beriberi as well. I don't know. I don't like the way you're walking. You know what I mean? Uh, I, I just, I think it's, it's inconceivably stupid. First of all, uh, there's no chance that there's going to be a giant Ebola epidemic in the first world. We've limited it to Africa. Uh, really, Greg? How do you know that? Because I fucking know more than you. I'm scientific. <laughs> It's just another excuse to shit on the third world, quite frankly. And when did we even notice Liberia until the Ebola thing came up? They've had fucking violent revolutions. They've had uh, change leaders a bunch of times. We've fucked Liberia over a million different ways. And now like, oh my God. And if you watch the news in the States, I swear to God on Fox News a couple weeks ago, they said, the Ebola virus is like ISIS. That's, that's what they call the Islamic State on television in America. We've named it after the Egyptian goddess. No, the Ebola virus is not like a terrorist. Uh, if you want to see a terrorist, you can go to 10 Downing Street or 1600 Pennsylvania Avenue any day you like and see people who take more lives than any terrorist could ever fucking dream of taking. Uh, that's state-run terrorism. And it's the most effective kind of terrorism, the kind of terrorism that makes people have to take their shoes off at the airport because that's worked. When are they going to let us bring water back on planes again? I'm tired of being an alchemist. Uh, <laughs> go and get me my chemicals. <laughs> if I could change the chemical composition of things, I would turn all of this into dope. Just poof, you know what I mean? I wouldn't be taking a water on a plane to make a bomb out of it. Because I go to, on planes for two reasons. Uh, one, to do a gig. I don't get paid uh, if the plane blows up. So there's a huge flaw in that plan. <laughs> anyway, Mark wrote me, and this is the article that he sent me from the Washington Post. Pablo Escobar's hippos are wreaking havoc in Colombia. <laughs> he thought he was dying, so he told her everything. <laughs> there's something I have to tell you. What's that? There's a herd of hippos I've left loose. <laughs> Where? Colombia. What are they doing? Wreaking havoc. I would have thought it would have been like Fantasia and they all had tutus on and were just jumping up and down. No one saw Fantasia. Hello, Mr. Schakowsky. Oh, hello, Mickey. Uh, they're wreaking havoc. I don't, I think, you know, hippos kill more people than uh, anyone except AIDS and Ebola and uh, SARS and uh, ISIS. So they're pretty dangerous. I'm joking, of course. Um... But please, maintain your respectful silence. <laughs> people are afraid of snakes and sharks and shit like that. But sharks don't really kill that many people. They, you know, they're just sexy. They're glamorous. That's why sharks get all the press. I don't know who the fucking shark's PR agent is, but uh, they do a great job. In America, there's, uh, on the Discovery Channel, Shark Week. Uh, and it's the biggest week of the year on the Discovery Channel. Everybody watches Shark Week. And they've run out of shit to do with sharks. Now they're just like throwing sharks from helicopters at other sharks and stuff like that. There was a TV movie in America last year called Sharknado, where a tornado pu pulled up a bunch of sharks and threw them at people. I'm not kidding. Uh, what's the name of that actress that was in that? Tara Reid. Thank you for remembering. The immortal Tara Reid. There's two marks of excellence when you go to see a cinematic venture. One is the director, Yui Bowl, 
and the other is Tara Reid. If Tara Reid is in it, stay. It's going to be good. Uh, a shark is going to come out of a tornado and kill you. That's how good. So there's a sequel coming out called like Sharknado 2. This time it's Sharkier or whatever. But sharks get a lot of press. If a shark bites one fucking person, it's on TV. I was sitting in an airport a couple weeks ago, and they were like, a shark attack in uh, Nantucket almost took the lives of two women. They fell out of their boat, and a shark went near them. There's no video of it or anything. It was simply them giving the interview afterward. And it was on all day on an endless loop. I'm like, the shark came by, and it was terrifying. And then, well, what happened? We swam to safety. (laughs) You don't see a lot of hippo fucking attacks on TV. Because they don't take place in Nantucket. They're taking place in Africa, and that's why you never fucking hear about them. Because the news, the news of uh, the BBC or whatever American news service you can think of would rather die than send anyone to Africa. And if they do, it's some stringer who's dressed like Christian Amapur's niece, who's wearing like a, you know, a Palestinian scarf and has a thing on and is like, I'm standing here in Chadis Chadacha, and I'm, you know, and that's it. I can't wait to come home. It's dirty here. It's dirty. Uh, hippopotami uh, flip over boats and then stomp the occupants of the boats. Uh, crocodiles just do what they do, which is look creepy. There's nothing creepier than a crocodile, really. Well, William Hague's kind of creepy. I mean, if you... If you were in a river and Ed Miliband came up next to you and all you saw was the snout and the eyes and shit, you'd be like... Ah! Right? I mean, there's some things that are creepier than crocodiles. But if you've ever seen a crocodile up close and personal, I mean, like in a zoo or an aquarium or whatever. We were in Sydney uh, in Australia, and uh, Jennifer and I went to the aquarium there, and there was a 16-foot crocodile, and Jennifer was like, that is disgusting. Uh, And I felt awful because, you know, I was feeding it Cracker Jacks and whatnot, and the guy came along. Have I ever told this one? Because if I have, I'm going to tell it again right now. This is an even better Sydney Zoo story. The Taronga Zoo is um, in the middle of Sydney Harbor. So you take a boat, which is fantastic. Anytime you have to take a boat to something, I'm all for it. Uh, I really think uh, everyone should have to take a boat almost everywhere. And you can in London. Uh, I mean, not to work. I mean, you'd ha- you could take one down the Thames a ways. If you worked on the Thames, it would be really convenient. Otherwise, my... For instance, if you worked at the, if you worked at the Thames Barrier, this is the best way to get to work. If you work in Croydon, not quite as convenient. If you work in Croydon, wow. As Curtis Mayfield said, uh, if you want to work in Croydon, wow. Remember, Fred is dead. Fred is dead. And, uh, but you had to take a boat to the Taronga Zoo, right? So we get on the boat, and, um, you know, it's Sydney, it's fabulous, right? Like, it's beautiful seafood, and uh, uh, as I said to an Australian girl in um, uh, uh, Edinburgh, I said, I, she's from Oz, right? And I'm like, she moved to England. And I, you always think, hmm. Uh, yeah, there's more opportunity here to choke on diesel. Now, I'm not saying Australia's paradise. There's fucking... Uh, funnel spiders and they they, they, uh, they get in your car and they, they live underneath the uh, wind, uh, what do you call it here the sun you know the right the visor so when you push the visor down because the sun which is inevitably shining in Australia they fall on your lap and they uh, burrow their way up through your penis and into your if you, if you don't have a penis 
they, they form a penis and then they grow up that. They're very resourceful and they're deadly. And everything will kill you in Australia. I don't mean the people, but like, you know, animals will kill you. There's crocodiles and there's poisonous fish and uh, people are, I'm going to go to the barrier reef. Like, you go to the reef, I'll be on sta- shore stage. Uh, all the world is a stage. Uh, I'll, be on st- I'll, I'll be on the side here smoking weed. And my goodness, the weed in Australia. Ooh la la. That's the dance I do. Um, so we took the boat over to the Taronga Zoo, and uh, we get there. And this was several years ago. And there was a Komodo dragon exhibit, right? And the Komodo dragon, next to a crocodile, is maybe the most repulsive reptile that ever fucking... Now, mind you, it's, I'm phylum, uh, you know, a prejudice here. Uh, if I was a reptile, I'd be doing a show right now going... Uh, the pink fat people that walk the earth that smell like animal fat and cigarettes, they're gross. And they're always looking at me sideways and shit. I hate them. I mean, I don't know if you've ever been to London, but you can go there and they're just walking up and down the street doing whatever the fuck they want. There's no cages, nothing. When are we going to solve this fucking problem? But I'm not. I'm a human doing a podcast about reptiles. So, and by the way, the show's strictly about reptiles from now on. It is Pruptilian till from now until I say so. And uh, uh, the Komodo dragon is sitting in its pen, right? And you, you know they're what? They're like, well, monitor lizard is more accurate, I suppose. They live in what? They live in Borneo, whatnot, down, down, you know, there. And uh, if this was the world, uh, we would be in horrible, horrible trouble because this is a two-dimensional flat piece of paper. We would, <laughs> we'd all be sliding off it right now. If this was the world. Down here is where the Komodo dragons are. And uh, you can smell them when you get near them. There's carrion everywhere. But the Komodo dragon's sitting in the pen, and it's... I can't... It was just... <laughs> horrible, right? They've got the horrible scales and whatnot. You know, they look, they look like your uncle. And uh, the fucking guy walks up to the cage, the enclosure... And he's got one leg. He fucking stomps up. And he's got a stick. Right? Flings the door open. And goes inside and leaves the door open. He has one leg. So he's a cautionary tale to begin with. There's, There's the plaque that's next to the enclosure. And I'm reading it with my wife. Komodo dragons are often sedentary. However... When motivated, they can run up to 30 miles an hour. He's left the door open. And he was smoking. And he fucking threw the cigarette down. And I was like, it, really? What, what, where do we go to school to learn how to take care of animals in Australia? When you're dealing with a dangerous reptile, the first thing you want to do is load up a fag. Want to calm yourself down, relax. Never mind all the talk about them running 30 miles an hour. I'd like to see a kid out of fucking cage at feeding time. By the way, I'm doing an Australian accent in case anyone's wondering. I'd like to, uh, you know, preface that so there's no... It cuts down on chit-chat in the audience. Like, what's he, what's he doing? Is that supposed to be an Australian accent? It's my idea of an Australian accent. Where did you learn to do your Australian accent? From the movie The Road Warrior. You want the gas, you come to me. You said we wouldn't kill you. I reckon you got a bag. 
Nej. Det tar man till ett sätt eller något man. There has been too much killing. Too much pain. We all know someone we love. Leave the gas and walk away. I guarantee you safe passage through the wasteland. Oh, I can do the whole movie. The Ayatollah of rock and roller. That's where I learned my Australian accent from watching that many times in the 80s. So here's the article by Sarah. Oh, there's even a byline by Sarah Larimer. No, that can't be it. Well, maybe it is. Yeah, it does. Okay. Uh, and good, good opening sentence here. Uh, don't bury the lead. This story has everything, colon. A drug lord, a once grand estate in the South American countryside, hippopotamuses. <laughs> Are they hippopotamuses? It's either way, right? It's like rhinoceri, rhinoceros. I don't think so. It's Hippopotami, right? Yeah. Yeah. Fucking Sarah. <laughs> Wavy hair and a hippopotami. I can see you watching in the night. If you want to be free, Sarah, smile. You misspelled hippopotami for me. Hippopotami. Uh, according to the BBC, well, if it was according to the BBC, you should have gone to the BBC website because it would have said hippopotami, not hippopotamuses. Although I was at a restaurant two days ago and I ordered the chocolate mouse and they thought it was very amusing. <laughs> Then they brought me this chocolate thing and I was like, no, I wanted a rodent covered in chocolate. I saw one on the tube the other day and it looked delicious. It was underneath the Cadbury machine. It was nibbling on it. According to the BBC, is there any more booze over there? I know that someone left a freshie for me over there. Is anyone still working in the room or paying attention to anything I'm doing at this point? Yeah, no, I put one aside. Here's one I prepared earlier. Thank you, Lisa. I appreciate it. Lisa, will you go in the uh, green room, dressing room, and get me that uh, poetry book that's sitting... It's just sitting on one of the tables in there. Thank you, my darling. I appreciate it. Oh, and all my dope's in there, too. Don't... <laughs> While you're in there, could you get everyone a drink? This half of the room's having white wine. This half, they're on lager. Thank you, Lisa. I realize now that there's people working here and that they could help me. I'm such a rugged individualist, I really, really... I know. Every, there was some groans of disappointment from the crowd. There's no ice in it, and, and so heaven knows what it is now. But I'm going to drink it anyway. <laughs> That's good booze! According to the BBC, that's the British Broadcasting Corporation. Thank you. Really? We should start the show. Fuck. <laughs> Hippos once owned by Pablo Escobar. Pablo Escobar, FYI, uh, L-O-L-F-M-Y-A-O, fucking whatever. G-I-F. I don't know how people talk anymore. Uh, uh, Pablo Escobar was the head of the Medellin drug cartel. He was uh, killed uh, in an avalanche of cocaine. It was a, there was a, a Matterhorn of coke next to his house and he walked out one morning and he went oh, and he 
he, that's how he died. Um, drug cartels are, um, are giant criminal organizations that are funded by the American and British governments so that the price of cocaine remains the same here in England. The price of cocaine in England has been the same since I lived here in 1994. The price of marijuana, on the other hand, has quintupled in the same time. So you tell me who runs the drug cartels, and I'll tell you a story, too. Here's the story the American government says. There's a war on drugs. Drugs are bad. People shouldn't do them. And then here's another story. Once upon a time, there was a government. Um, The Vietnam War was funded by uh, uh, the the heroin and opium trade. Uh, England was built on on, on the opium trade. Uh, The the reason why England was such a successful empire was you were able to corner the market on opium. That's why the Boxer Rebellion was fought. That's why the wars in Burma were fought. Uh, the, The French and the the English made a great job of, of taking all the opium from the, uh, Southeast Asia and bringing it uh, to the rest of the world so that we could all have drugs. And well done. Uh, I mean, before that, it was spice. You know, when you read about explorers and shit, you read about like Magellan, or as you guys insist on calling him, Magellan. Um, I guess the controversy is never going to stop until I take some vitamins and we make some progress in that regard. Um, I'll be wiping off my windscreen as I leave here. So why don't you get off my bonnet? Because I gotta move this fucking auto and uh, this this motor. And uh, oh no, I can't. There's a lorry in the way. Um, a slow lorry? Uh, is there any other kind? The uh, they fought all these wars over drugs. As far as I can figure, reading history, the entire history of Western Europe is one of uh, selling drugs. Uh, and the, Magellan went around the world, Magellan, and, uh, and unlike Lisa Stansfield, he could not find his baby. And uh, I've done too much crying, wasted too much time. Or oh, I did too much lying, sorry, I got the words wrong. Now I'm here and crying. See what I'm doing? I'm wreaking havoc like a hippo with that song. I believe I stated earlier uh, this year that every woman in the world liked that song. And boy, did I get a lot of fucking emails. <laughs> a lot of women evidently don't like the song. Uh, been around the world. I stand by it. I like it. And therefore, to me, everyone does. Uh, and then the Vietnam War uh, was about the uh, uh, heroin trade, uh, opium trade. And then the, uh, the, the wars we fought in Central America in the 80s, the United States, were absolutely funded by cocaine. Uh, that you may remember Oliver North and Ronald Reagan and all that. That was all Coke-oriented. And then you've seen what's been going on the last 15 years uh, in the United States with Bush and Obama and what's going on in Mexico and all that. So, when, you know, we, yes, the drug dealers are bad people in, in a certain way, in so much as that lots of people die and shit like that. That's certainly a negative in the negative column. Let's just mark that down. <laughs> but let's look at the other side of the coin. They often build hospitals and shit like that. Uh, and, and add to the community, which the government would never think of doing. Uh, they would never think of wasting money on people. Uh, so there's that. Uh, are you saying Pablo Escobar was a good guy? No, he deserved to die in an avalanche coke. There's no question of that. He had so much fuck-off money. He had so much money. Some people are too stupid to be rich, as my friend Mac Anderson would say. Pablo Escobar was one of them. What did he do with his money? Well, he built a giant palace in Colombia, and he bought a hospital for the locals. He bought hippos, and he brought them over from Africa. Uh, African uh, hippos are not indigenous to South America. There was a, it's been a long time since Gondwanaland was one big neighborhood. And we could go, oh, look, a marsupial. Oh, look, a giraffe, like on the same block. It's been a while, uh, several hundreds of millions of years when the whole world was one big country. Uh, now it's a bunch of different countries. 
or a bunch of different land masses, rather. You know, Earth never really named itself by countries. That, that's that's the, the pride of humanity that really drives me fucking crazy about people who are like, you should be proud of your country. Really? Why can't I be proud of other artificial fucking things that have been... In, yeah, why don't we just be proud of the color red? That's something we made up. Let me get this straight. A bunch of guys who owned slaves, who wore wigs, who wanted to throw off the yoke of British oppression, signed a Declaration of Independence, thereby sentencing the Indians to incessant genocide for the rest of time. And I'm supposed to be proud of this and walk around going fucking jet flyover and shit. We're number one. <laughs> they sing. I'm watching the baseball playoffs. Uh, baseball is uh, rounders. And, uh, and uh, footy is a, a game that you guys invented and uh, don't play very well anymore. Would you guys go out in the World Cup? You went out to what, Bermuda's special needs team or whatever in the second fucking round? Uh, and, and, and at the seventh inning of every game, first of all, at the beginning of every game, we sing uh, the, the national anthem, which is heinous. And then in the seventh inning, God bless America. That started after 9-11. And they do it at every goddamn sporting event in America. I have never been able to put the equation together why a sporting event is a moment of patriotism in any way. I'm looking around, especially at a postseason event, because nobody that's poor is at a postseason game. Because the tickets cost a thousand fucking dollars at the minimum each. And so you're looking around at a bunch of rich assholes all with their phones and shit going, God bless America! Like, yeah. If there was a bloody revolution on the field and we got to run around with fucking sabers and shit and wipe out the people in the luxury boxes, then I'll sing God Bless America. It's so gross. It's so gross. And God Bless America is a bummer. Uh, the lyrics, uh, Tony Bennett sang it a couple weeks ago at one of the Giants games, and he, uh, it, it goes, um, from the mountains to the prairies to the oceans white with foam. Horrible lyrics, right? Oh, my God. The ocean's white with foam. Gross. <laughs> Don't ever get white foam on me. If, if someone walked by you and the white foam was left as residue, you wouldn't even touch it. You'd go home. You'd be like this the whole way. And then when you got home, you'd just... Psh, sanitize. Uh, yeah. God, God bless America. Land that I love. This is the worst part. Land that I love, stand beside her and guide her through the night with a light from above. <laughs> Barf! Why am I standing by and guiding America? Fuck you, you're huge. Guide yourself, lose some weight and take off the fucking fanny pack and then we'll talk about it. From the mountains to the prairies. Fucking Tony Bennett gets out there and he goes, God bless America. Land that alone. Stand beside her. I'm gonna. Right? It's Tony Bennett. That's how he sings. Through the night with a light up above. Then he gets to the lyrics. He doesn't fucking know him. He's 88. With a mountain and there's a prairie and the golden on the throne. What? He just said anything. He just said anything. Everyone started tweeting, did he just say golden foam? And we're like, yeah, he did. I don't fucking... It was better that way. It was better that way. God bless America, cause you cats are fucking swinging. God bless America. Hey, let's go to Colorado and score an eighth and drive into Kansas. Tony Bennett's one of those great old jazz singers. Everybody's a cat. How was, how was it making the record, Tony? Oh, it was great. 
Amy Winehouse and all these cats were there. <laughs> Amy Winehouse was so great. We miss Amy Winehouse. What did she do? What did she fucking do to anybody? Well, she made the crime of being Jewish in England. That seems to be a... <laughs> that was a horrible little laugh that went out there. <laughs> are you going to bring up how anti-Semitic we are again? I don't have to. You know how anti-Semitic you are. Otherwise, you'd know what fucking schmooze meant. Yeah, and the whole crowd went quiet. What, what does schmooze mean? You'd know what an altar cocker was. See, I live in Hollywood where black gangster rappers speak Yiddish. In show business in America, everyone speaks Yiddish. It's not even a thing. You walk in, you want a schmear? I'm quelling. Oh my God, the air conditioning. I'm schwitzing. Could someone turn it up? In England, did you say schwitz? Jewish comedian Greg Proops had a moment the other night. Didn't quite care for his Jewish humor that he Jewishly told through his Jewish mouth. It was clear that he was being controlled by Vanessa Feltz in the Jewish conglomerate here, and that they don't care at all about Palestine simply because they're Jewish. Another thing about Jewish people, they're quite rich, aren't they? Yes. Yes, they are quite rich. About this Disraeli. How can a country with 60 million people not use Yiddish? Oi. Kavalta Shmir. Hippos once owned by Pablo Escobar. Well, one presumes when he died, they were given their freedom. Although I don't know that it was an official act. You know, Pablo Escobar died and one poor fucking drug gunsel wearing a fucking AK-47 strapped across his back had to walk down to the pond and go like, Hippos! Vámonos! are still roaming the grounds of the late Colombian drug lord's former home, presenting a problem for locals and wildlife officials. Really? There's wildlife officials in Colombia? What's that over there? Hang on. I think it's a bird. Who aren't sure the best way to contain or control them. They're confused. Fair enough. Let me put it this way. Say you're drinking on the Thames tomorrow. Say you were on one of those little boats that's on the Thames where they serve booze and a fucking hippo came out of the water. You'd be like, shit. I'm not fucking dealing with that. And then when you call the Thames police and then the hippo, see, the Thames police see the hippo, they're like, oh, fucking hell. There would be no help. Their confusion seems fair. Oh, I didn't even read that far after I said it was fair. And then this is, this is, the good writing of the Washington Post, in quotation marks. What should we do with Pablo Escobar's hippos, end quote, is not really a question one expects to face in life. (laughs) No, it isn't really. Are you hungry? Yeah, I am. Have you had breakfast? No, I haven't had breakfast. Would you like some yogurt? Uh Uh-huh. What should we do with Pablo Escobar's hippos? Look, I'm just trying to get through the whole tea coffee thing here. I don't know whether to get a bente half-calf or what the fuck, all right? I'm not ready to deal with Pablo Escobar's hippos. And very few face in, face in life, but here we are. With a ranch full of hippopotamuses. And very few options. According to the BBC, you started the second paragraph with that. God damn you, Sarah. Uh, 
I'm just going to say, according to an anonymous source. <laughs> according to a synonymous horse. Because that's what hippo means. It means river. It means river horse in Greek. Do you speak Greek? No, I speak National Geographic Channel. The hippos were smuggled in as part of a zoo. Who smuggles hippos? Excuse me, sir, I'm afraid I'm going to have to stop you. Oh, is this the Ebola temperature test? What's that squirming in your trousers? At Hacienda Napoles, his estate 200 miles from Bogota. Escobar died in 93, Coke Avalanche. But his hippos remained on the land, even after the zoo's other animals were relocated. Locals started to call in hippopotamus sightings about seven years ago. So what happened in the intervening 13 years? Was there 13 years of smooth hippo sailing? Local constabulary, how may I help you? There's a hippo on my lawn. Those hippos have been here 20 years. Yeah, but they weren't a problem till now. What's he doing? Everything, he's on my lawn. And I've described to you how hippos urinate. We've talked about it on the show before. I'm gonna go into it very briefly again. Should you ever see a hippo in captivity, like for instance, when we meet this Sunday at the Regent's Park Zoo, uh, I thought we were meeting in the penguin enclosure. After we go to the penguin enclosure, we're going to go get uh, corn dogs, and then we're going to go over to the hippo enclosure. You don't have corn dogs. We're going to get a, uh, a cornetto that's half melted, and then we're going to go over. The disappointing uh, cornetto. The one, you know, the droopy cornetto. Hippopotami, when they urinate, don't just, like a horse, just, pff, I mean, horses are fucking savage. They just pee anywhere. And you know how dogs are. Uh, dogs are... And, they, and you're like, oh, gross. Uh, hippos fucking go like this. And an enormous fucking diametric circle of pee engulfs the entire area behind them. Never sound downwind of a hippo. If only I had been there when they first arrived. Uh, locals started to call in seven years ago and have since reportedly had some close encounters. The respected El Colombiano newspaper recently reported that children in a school near Hacienda Napoles are sharing a pond with the animals and having direct contact with hippo calves at home. <laughs> rolling, 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 keep those hippos rolling, 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 rolling. Don't try to understand them, just rope and throw and brand them. Wishing my girl was by my side. Get him up, head him off, get him up, move him out. That's how you uh, heard. <laughs> See, I'm from America, and we sing cowboy songs. When we, when we herd cattle, uh, we sing those songs. We sing like, um, Whoop-a-tie-ya-yo, get along, little dog. It's your misfortune and none of my own. Like that. Tie yo, get along, little hippo. Bamanos down the trail to the pool near My father brought home a little one once, an unnamed girl told the paper. What's your name, little girl? I don't know. How old are you? Seven or eight? 
have not named me. It's because of the shame I... I touched a hippo cuff. An unnamed girl told the paper, I called him Luna, and then, because this is an American paper, in parentheses, moon. <laughs> Americans are sitting at home. The fuck is this? <laughs> Who put this Spanish word in my newspaper? <laughs> I thought we built a fence. <laughs> Ken S. A. Luna. Because he was very sweet. I'm going to read it with a hilarious, childlike Colombian accent. In fact, to make it even better, I'm going to read it as Jeremy Irons. From the movie, from the movie, not Die Hard 3 with a Vengeance, but the movie uh, House of the Spirits, which is his, his South American novel movie. And he does a little more Karloffian in that one. I called him Luna because he was very sweet. We fed him with just milk. Another child, a boy... Boy, this reporter was ceaseless in their investigations. Told the paper, my father was captured three. Which is nice because you have a little animal at home. We bottle feed them because they only drink milk. Brackets, leche. <laughs> they have a very slippery skin. They will pour water. Agua. And they produce a kind of slime. You touch them and it's like soap. We're not experts, but we'd say that's a pretty strict no-touching policy might be wise because hippopotamuses are not exactly warm and cuddly. Smithsonian Magazine reports that hippos are believed to, quote, kill more people each year than lions, elephants, leopards, buffaloes, and rhinos combined. Yeah, but that's because hippos are organized. <laughs> Buffaloes are grabastic pieces of protoplasmic disorganization. Yeah, they'll all run in one direction. But when it comes time to kill people, they're like, you fucking do it. And then the other one's like, I got shit all over my antlers already. I'm busy this afternoon. Whereas hippos are like, I've got all the time in the world to fucking touch this little child, excrete slime, and then flip over a boat and stomp on these fuckers. You can go to the website and see it. There's actually a video of Escobar's hippos. I have no solution to this. I just think it's great a couple people gave me presents a young man in the front row gave me this what was your name sir that gave me the article about uh, sexist family feud uh, Rob alright Rob this is from News Australia you from Oz sorry about the accent mate mine I meant uh, this is by Charlotte Willis from news.com.au Family feud is under fire for a particularly backward question asked by host Grant Denyer, which I'm sure is what? How would you say it? Grant Denyer. Grant Denyer, yeah. <laughs> See, I knew it. Grant Denyer. It's Grant Denyer. <laughs> the game show is slammed by viewers on social media. Oh my God, can you imagine? <laughs> Labeling it sexist and misogynistic. In Australia, how could they tell? <laughs> Kidding, of course. They had a lady PM, remember? That worked out pretty fucking well. She keeps telling me what to do, and she's a woman. 
you want the gas? You talk to me. <laughs> Network, uh, earlier in the show, they were asked to name what people thought was a man's job. Here was the question. Uh, the players were asked to name something people think is a woman's job. Earlier in the show, they were asked to name what people thought was a man's job. Network 10 apologized. The survey results are determined by 100 people, and we understand they are not reflective of all Australians. <laughs> the show's works by surveying 100 people. Yeah, we know how Family Feud works. Here was the answer for a woman's job, by the way, just in case you want to know, because I know you want to know. I would have said giving birth. Because <laughs> men really don't do that that well. Uh... Oh, and this is what Grant Denyer wrote on his Twitter feed. We, tasted, we tested some social values on FF. That's Family Feud abbreviated. <laughs> Name something people think is a man slash woman's job. Stroke. Sorry, we're here in England. Uh, don't blame us for the answers. They're yours, Australia! Exclamation point. As you know, I hate exclamation points. And that is some weak-ass shit, Grant Denyer's. Really? You're blaming the public for your crappy answers? First of all, it's not yours. It's a hundred people they trapped in a room who would say anything to get out of the goddamn room. <laughs> Wednesday night's answers stacked up as cooking, cleaning, nursing, hairdressing, domestic duties, dishes, receptionist, and washing clothes. <laughs> Safe to say a hundred people are indicative of Australia thinks we're pretty much stuck in the 50s. A young female contestant gave the first answer, cooking. Later, she suggested ironing. One, male, one young male added vacuuming. Viewers reacted angrily. Fucking A. Uh, it's not a woman's job to do the dishes or do the domestic duties in general, one tweeted. Women can do whatever the fuck they want, not just what they've been, able to told to, been told to do throughout history. I'm so glad my kids didn't see this rubbish. She needs to be on earlier, like 1952. <laughs> Uh, and here's the ones for men, because I know you wanted to know. Uh, a man's job, building. <laughs> now, I lived in England. I met builders here. I never met one that built. They'd go down the fucking pub at lunch. They'd come back three hours later, rat-assed and red-faced. I had a builder inside my house, I remember, in like 96. And I said, get out of my house, please. And he went... Oh, we're just poor country folk like that. And I went, fuck off. Out of my house, you fucking pervy drunk right now. He really ran the, we're just simple people. Fuck you. You've got a nail gun and you're drunk. You just shot my hip out. Mowing the lawn is a man's job? Oh, Jesus. Bins. Just the word bins. <laughs> Mechanic tradie? What the fuck's a tradie? You're from Australia? A uh, tradesman. What the fuck's a tradesman? Like a plumber or some shit? Really? Tradies? Fucking Oz, I love you. Looks like the warty's not coming out of the fossey. Better call a tradie. That's not my job. I'm a woman. I can barely operate myself. I'm over here in the corner doing some cooking in some ironing. I'll take time out from emptying the bin, shall I? Fixing things is after tradie. 
fixing things is an answer? Carpentry and plumbing. Jesus Christ. Uh, the questions came from International. While the show can't be blamed, viewers are suggesting the dated questions need to be asked in the first place. Yeah, I should think so. The family-friendly show's executive producer, Pam Barnes. We know Pam. Well, Pam, if you're listening, wow. Should have had a go at those questions, matey girl. And it's uh, currently the only free-to-air network with a female chief programming officer, Beverly McGarvey. Well, obviously they're not watching the show. First of all, uh, uh, of course, Family Feud is a sexist show. Thank you for sending me that. The idea that women uh, are to do the laundry and, and men take the bins out is ridiculous. Uh, I often uh, take the bins out. Uh, the, who, who's the young man who gave me this Pessoa book? What's your name? Daniel. Daniel, uh, Daniel gave me this book. Uh, Ferdinand Pessoa is a poet. Uh, I'll, I won't read all about his history here. But uh, uh, he's a very famous uh, Portuguese poet. The writing of Ferdinando Pessoa reveals a mind shaken by intense inner suffering. In these poems, he adopted four separate personae, and it names them, and himself, using them to express great swarms of thought and feeling. While each persona has its own poetic identity, together they convey a sense of ambivalence and consolidate a striving for completeness. Dramatic, lyrical, Christian, pagan, old and modern, Pessoa's poets and poetry contribute to the mysterious importance of existence. Normally I'd say stop, but I've chosen one here because the poem, the title of the poem stopped me dead in my tracks. Ah! Exclamation point. The anguish. Ah, the anguish. The abject rage. The despair of not laying myself bare. In a cry's tone, not bleeding my heart dry, in one last austere cry, I speak. The words I say are sound only. Suffer, am I. Ah, to extract from music the secret, the tone of its cry. Ah, the fury, grief crying out in vain, since the cries just strain and reach silence that returns from the air in the night. Nothing there. Fantastic. Thank you very much for that book, Daniel. I appreciate that. We're going to whip through the boring, preachy part here. Well, hasn't it been kind of boring and preachy the whole night? Kind of. We'll be here Sunday. Uh, of course, by the time this goes out, it'll be Monday. So me saying that is a past participle, uh, redundant, fucking, uh, anonymous horse. <laughs> Synonymous hippo. However, we'll be uh, next week on Tuesday, if our Belgian friends are listening, Tantan and Hercule Poirot. I'd like you to visit us. Uh, we're going to be in Antwerp at the Ehrenbergstraat 28. Uh, that's in Antwerp on the 21st. That's Tuesday next. Then we're going to be in Stockholm at the Bunden Barv. Uh, and you can get tickets on my website, gridproofs.com. If our Swedish friends are listening, please come and join us there. Uh, I think we're already sold out or close to in Antwerp, but I think we've got to sell a few tickets in Stockholm. So put down your lutefisk and get the fuck over. Uh, put down your sword and let's go. Uh, I, every time I've been to a Scandinavian country, I've played... Um, the immigrant song by Led Zeppelin, and it's going to be very, very difficult for me to resist playing it again in Sweden. I said I was going to play ABBA, and my wife went, that is so fucking cliche. And I'm like, accept that. We're going to be in Sweden, and everyone's going to get up and start singing and shit. <laughs> Mamma Mia is my least favorite ABBA song, but that's like saying, you know, uh, Harry Styles is my least favorite member of One Direction or whatever. <laughs> it's not something really you make a value judgment on. <laughs> You just let ABBA wash over you. There's nothing you can do about it. If anyone ever saw ABBA the movie, you know what I'm talking about. There's pain and there's pain. 
But they always sing Mamma Mia, and I never understood that. It was never a hit in America. That was the one song that wasn't a fucking hit in America. What were the hits in America, Greg? So when you're near me, darling, can't you hear the echoes? When you're gone, how can I even try to read this phonetically? It was kind of clear that they didn't quite speak English, but someone had written the words down and shit. Uh, because, uh, what was it? What happened to our love? It used to be so good. Pessoa is spinning in his grave. It used to be so right. It used to be so good. Wow. We stayed up over a half an hour to write these lyrics. And the whole crowd's gone quiet here. Every single person in this room loves fucking Alba. I know. I'm the only one who fucking hates them. I don't hate them. There's the, that one that's okay. And then there's the other one. What's the other one called? Oh, yeah. My love. I tried to hold you back, but you were stronger. Oh, yeah. Bye-bye. All their songs sound like they're being played by an oompa band at a carnival or whatever. And they've got those weird pedophile beards going on and shit. And the girls have huge spandex camel toe. It is a fucking freak show. I'll grant you that. I will grant you that. Really, you're taking time out of this show? You're going to be in Sweden and you're going to have a huge chance to have a go at ABBA. I'm not going to do it there. I'm going to let them off the hook. I'm going to do it now while we're in England and people can handle it. It was the movie Mamma Mia with Meryl Streep where I came up with my rule that if you have a lot of Oscars and you consistently do movies like Mamma Mia, you have to start giving the Oscars back. (laughs) After Mamma Mia and the Margaret Thatcher movie and the Julia Child movie, Meryl Streep owes me three Oscars. (laughs) Then we'll be in Maui. Uh, at the comedy festival. Yeah, we're going all the way to Hawaii. From Sweden. Who's booking your show, Magellan? Uh, The 29th through the 2nd. uh, The um, podcast is going to be on the Thursday at 7 o'clock. We just moved it. If you're coming to Maui, uh, if you live in Maui, no one's going to Maui to the comedy festival. The people who live in Maui will be at the comedy festival. Maui's a small island in the archipelago of Hawaii. Hawaii. And... Uh, there's one street in Maui where the comedy festival is going to take place. I believe there's two venues. It's going to be awesome. It's going to be really fun. It proves that I'll go anywhere. Uh, one. And two, they said, well, there's not a lot of money, but we'll give you a plane ticket. And I was like, hmm, that sounds like a good deal. You know what they have in Maui? Weed. Parentheses, murta. Uh, then we're going to be in Sacramento at the Punchline in Sacramento uh, on the 20th of the 22nd of November. Uh, the 29th of November, we'll be in Brooklyn at the Bell House. Come and visit us there. We'll be at the Helium in Portland uh, the 4th through the 6th of December. And then we'll be in, I think we're going we're gonna to add a, um, a podcast on the 3rd of December in uh, Bellevue, Washington, is my understanding. The 10th of December, we'll be at the Up Theater in Chicago. And then you can come and see us at the Bloomington Center for the Performing Arts in Bloomington, Illinois is on the 13th. That'll be a stand-up show. Also, the Who's Line guys were on the road with me and Ryan and uh, a couple other guys. I can't remember their names. <laughs> uh, here comes the boring preachy part, and the show is going to start now. Uh, this is from The Independent today. Uh, I also read The Evening Standard, and it had the 100 most influential Londoners, 
I don't know if anyone picked up the standard on their way here today. It's free. And uh, 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 Victoria Beckham was number nine. <laughs> now, I lived in London. You live in London. When you're going home tonight and you're thinking about London, do you go, fucking Victoria? <laughs> you know, when I think about my life, there's my mom, my dad, my girlfriend, my boyfriend, my dog, my cat, my boss, and then her. <laughs> Fuck, she just moved up to seven. How is Victoria Beckham an influential person on earth? Much less London. I'm just throwing that out there. I don't expect an answer from you right now. I'm here on Sunday. Go home, think about it. <laughs> Write me. Come back with that answer. How is she influential? I mean, there's the, the good part of Victoria Beckham is think of it this way. There's a lot more food for other people. <laughs> She's not using up that resource. You know what I mean? Whereas you might eat like a whole sandwich. She's going to eat like part of a piece of lettuce and be like, you know, and then that's it for the week. So I know she's a designer and shit. She's a famous designer, Greg, and she employs a lot of people, a lot more than you do, Greg. She's fucking richer than you'll ever be. I don't know what happened just there. I turned on myself. And I gave the, the capitalist argument that everyone always gives, which is my least favorite argument. Fucking richer than you'll ever be, man. You know what she should do? Go home and uh... <laughs> nurse. <laughs> they lived in LA for a while. Do they still live in LA? They might do. He, because he played for the, uh, you know, the LA uh, Footy Club. Uh, Bex did, and. Um... You know, as much as I want to, I can't. What, you want to what, Greg? Not take a huge dump on them. <laughs> I, I really... I, I, if, if he had won a World Cup... But uh, what about all the championships he won with Spain and with Manchester and, he, and the, the LA team won a championship with him? What a fucking douchebag. <laughs> yeah, he, he was okay. At the one thing he could do and shit. I get it, I get it, I get it. I know why he's popular. Women want bimbos too. <laughs> Women and gay guys have to have a dude with abs because look at the rest of us. <laughs> Straight guys tend to let their shit go. David Beckham did not do that. However, if I had to fuck him and see those fucking sleeve tattoos and hear him going, that feels real good, I'd be like, no. <laughs> I want you to think about that, ladies. Think about that. You don't think about that element, do you? You just think about his abs and his big uncircumcised wand in your face and shit. And his haircut and his three-day growth of beard, and then he kicks a ball over your head and whatnot. I get homophobic uh, fucking rake is what I get. That's what I get. I get that he doesn't quite care for gay people and that she's got a huge gay following. I get that he'll wear anything. He'll wear mascara. He plucks his eyebrows. I get that. He, we've seen him wear a skirt and jodhpurs and shit. I get it. I, I, that's not the part I disagree with. The part is, like, when you're... Basically, when your endorsements outstrip your capability as a human, that's when I go, like, mm, and stop trying to shove him down our throats. Every fucking World Cup in America, there's a David Beckham commercial because evidently he's the only football player anyone in America's ever heard of. Now we know about Lionel Messi because he barfs up at every game, which I had no idea until that was shown to me, and I was like, that doesn't make me love him more. 
I love Lionel Messi, and I thought he was a great footballer. If he could only move his right eye a centimeter away from his left eye. <laughs> you know what I'm talking about. There's kind of that Richard Gere pit bull thing going on. <laughs> they didn't win anyway. Germany won, but hey, they had a bad 20th century, so you know what I mean? <laughs> Uh, this is on the front page of the uh, Independent. Jim Armitage. Uh, front companies in the UK are at the heart of an investigation in one of Europe's, big, Europe's biggest money laundering operations, allegedly forming part of a conspiracy to make 20 billion, that's 12 uh, and a half billion squids, of dirty money look legitimate. The funds are believed to have come from major criminals and corrupt officials around the world wanting to make their ill-gotten cash appear clean so they can spend it without suspicion. 19 UK-based front companies are under suspicion. The scandal highlights how tax corporate rules have made this country an attractive destination for global organized crime. The secrecy company directors are entitled to under UK law is also hindering attempts to identify the Mr. Biggs behind the scam. That's what happens uh, when you let any companies do whatever they want in this country and when you sell off everything to Russian oligarchs and Chinese China corporations and shit like that. China is going to buy the Waldorf Astoria in New York City for several billion dollars. Waldorf Astoria is where all the diplomats from the United Nations are. What do you think the first thing China's going to do when they, thank you someone got ahead of me someone was laughing gently to themselves am I the only one who's thinking this um, what is the purpose of China in the world other than to give clitorectomies and clog up all the fucking rivers and to have so much dust that it lands in California and shit okay and to destroy the entire environment of the, and I'm not saying the Chinese people I'm saying the Chinese government has two jobs to cut people's fucking eyes out and to fucking be fucked those are the two jobs the Chinese government has you can go as quiet as you like you can go as quiet as you fucking like. The Chinese government is one of the most evil entities on the earth right now. When you let them buy the Waldorf Astoria, they are going to bug every room because all of the diplomats from the UN stay there. The reason they bought it is so that they could spy on everyone. They didn't buy it because they wanted a crib to cool at in New York City and shit. <laughs> the Chinese could buy New York 50 times over any day of the fucking week that they want to and shit like that. Are you being racist, Greg? No. I'm being cynical, which means I'm being realistic. Uh, the, the UK government has let more Russian gangsters come into this fucking town. Go, go to Mayfair or Belgravia and look at the empty buildings row after row where you can see the people washing the Bentleys out in front. Look uh, 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 and go to Knightsbridge and see giant fucking Lamborghinis parked on the sidewalk with a boot on them that are going to get taken away. And the people who own those Lamborghinis don't even go and get them because that's how much fuck off money they have because they've come from an oil rich country and are allowed to fucking stay here and shit like that. Are you saying we should limit our immigration? Uh, not of the poor. I don't see any fucking poor people buying a fucking whole block and ruining the economy of a neighborhood so that there's no more news agents. And once where there was a greengrocer, there is now a fuck-off cashmere store or some other useless shit that no one fucking needs. That's what I'm saying. London and New York, Los Angeles, Boston, any big city you can think of, this is the scenario. Where once there was lots of people, everyone that are people have been forced to move out from the center of these cities because we've let nothing but rich corporate assholes come in and buy the middle of every city and jack the prices up. Go to the middle of a city now and see if you can find, uh, if there is on a block in your neighborhood, a post office, a laundromat, a bank, you know what I'm saying? Places where people go, a hardware store, things like that. That's what people need. Uh, that's what people need. When you go to a place and it, it, uh, uh, it, there's a Louis Vuitton and, uh, uh, and a Marc Jacobs and a this and a that, 
That's no longer where people live. That's where rich people are dwelling. And they're not there all the year. They're only there for however many months they need to be there because they can fuck off to their other place and live there as well. Um, how did you connect that to this? Because you let any old fucking company come in here and set up these laws and they're protected by the UK government and shit like that. What would you do about it, Greg? Well, first of all, uh, a guillotine is not the worst idea that anyone ever had. <laughs> As a nation, we have not yet embraced women in leadership. This is an interview with Julia Gillard. She was the first female PM of Australia. Now, I grant you, she was not uh, the biggest bouquet that ever fucking lived. But she was the first uh, lady PM. And uh, you remember when uh, uh, she was PM, they got up and they said some horrible sexist things about her. And she gave a great big speech, which was quite awesome. Um, the difference between America, and no, no matter what you think of Julia Gillard as, as a politician or an administrator... Um, in America, we had George W. Bush for eight years. We had Ronald Reagan for eight years. We had George Herbert Walker for eight years. We've had Obama for fucking eight years, okay? These are all men who have nothing but corporate interest and military might in mind. Um, she was uh, an atheist. Uh, she was a woman. I mean, there, it really, the differences between us, uh, you know, the, 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 the dominant paradigm in one place and another. Now, mind you, she's been replaced, of course, by a good old man because we couldn't have that shit go on too long. In an interview with The Independent, Ms. Gillard said she initially tried to ignore the gendered criticism, which included viciously pornographic cartoons circulated on social media and a menu at a conservative fundraising dinner featuring a Julia Gillard Kentucky Fried Quail with small breasts, huge thighs, and a big red box. Um, this is, and I'm not just hammering on Australia tonight. This sexism goes everywhere all the time. There's not a woman in this room who doesn't know exactly what the fuck I'm talking about. Um, uh, and I'll go to an article here uh, very quickly that my wife gave me uh, from a site called Read Write. Uh, it's a tech site. Microsoft CEO Satya Nadella eats humble pie over remarks to women, proffering career advice more analogous to the secret than Sheryl Sandberg's lean in. Uh, Microsoft CEO, this was at a, a, an event that happened a week ago in the United States. And this is what the head of Microsoft said. The CEO of Microsoft said to women in the tech industry, it was a women's tech conference. It's not really about asking for a raise, but knowing and having faith the system will give you the right raise. <laughs> now, if you, think it's a if you think it's a level playing field and you think everything as it should be and there's no more sexism when we've ruled that out in the world and it's all been cured, all you have to do is read something that happened a week ago when the head of Microsoft, as I said before, a benign tech organization, oh, but he's Asian-American. Well, you guys would say Asian. Of course, we would say Indian. He's Indian-American, uh, and, and he's rose, risen to the top of his industry. This is what his advice was to women. Um, he, Nigella, he, he clarified his remarks on Twitter and issued a statement apologizing. Mm. Uh, he made the comments in an onstage conversation with Maria Clave, a computer scientist, president of the Harvey Mudd uh, College, and a member of Microsoft's board of directors. That might be one of the, uh, to suggest that faith in the system is akin to magic. That might be one of the initial superpowers that, quite frankly, women who, uh, who don't ask for a raise have, he told them. It's good karma. It will come back. Men who hold graduate or professional degrees earn a whopping 73% more than women with the same educational qualifications, while men with a bachelor's degree earn 40% more than women with the same credentials. Uh-huh. Microsoft released its workplace diversity data last week, and the numbers show the company Nadella took over is as white and male as other tech companies. 29% of the Microsoft workforce is female, 61% is white. So, fuck you, <laughs> Nadella, and fuck you. Uh, the Australian government, and fuck you. All the men who are sitting out there thinking, I get people write me and go, what about men's rights? What, what, what about men? men go, fuck, are you out of your fucking mind? We have all the fucking rights. 
white people have all the fucking rights and men have all the fucking rights and I should know because I'm a white middle-aged man. So I know what I'm talking about and I know how men talk when they're not around women. Um, And the idea that there's any sort of equity or that anything's equal. Uh, Women have to have babies. Women have to take care of the house. Women don't get the money that men get. And it's completely fucking unfair at all fucking times. Um, What's the solution? That there be more women in positions of power. It's a real fucking simple solution. But what about the women? Your argument sucks like a hippo. Really, really, really sucks. Uh, when, when your company has a 69% male workforce and everyone's white who fucking works there and you tell women they shouldn't ask for a raise because they have magical powers, you're a fucking asshole. Uh, Texas, getting into sexism. It would be nice to think tolerance is on a roll. Look at gay rights. This is in America. The Lone Star State, which is Texas, the Attorney General, Greg Abbott, are furiously defending the same-sex marriage ban. Now the Supreme Court stepped in and reopened a bunch of abortion clinics in uh, uh, Texas because they were closing them all down. Um, this will give you the idea here. That with eight remaining clinics clustered around Dallas and Houston, women in the West and South, and places like El Paso, clean out of luck. A million Texas women of reproductive age would have to drive 150 miles or more if they wanted abortion. Mr. Abbott says the law aims only to raise safety standards in clinics, but its real purpose is to make Texas an abortion unfriendly as possible. The law imposes a manageable, manageable inconvenience. That's a male phrase, manageable inconvenience. If men got pregnant, there'd be a clinic on every corner and you'd be in and out in five minutes like fucking Starbucks. There'd be apps on your phone telling you how many abortions you could get. Abortions would be free and on fucking demand. There'd be an abortion truck that had music playing like an ice cream truck that came to your house in the fucking morning. Who needs an abortion? Who's a boy in trouble? Who's a boy in trouble? I am. Get in the back. All right, go on with your way. Here's a cookie. It's pure cruelty, pure and simple. Pure fucking cruelty, and men want to dominate women, and the one way they can do it is to take away women's reproductive rights. That's all there is to that. Uh, I don't have time for that one. I do have time for this one, and then we're going to fuck off into this good night. Ever so briefly on this one. I couldn't fucking believe it. Michael Owen, who's quite a good football player here. I don't know if you saw this over the weekend. This has nothing to do with anything, but it was just weird as fuck. How many films have you seen is the opening line in this article. Michael Owen could count them on the toes of his footballing feet. The England striker turned pundit told his three million Twitter followers this week, watched my eighth ever film on the flight home, must have been bored, hashtag hate films. He's 34 years old and he's watched eight movies in his life. Uh, That just seems strange to me. And then they theorized on why and everything. And some of them are like Forrest Gump. Actually, a bunch of them are between the ages of when he was 11 and 15. Uh, Seabiscuit, Karate Kid, Forrest Gump, Escape to Victory... Uh, and that's what he seemed to watch. Now, I'm not going to put down Michael Owen. He's probably busy. And, like, uh, he probably doesn't... But here's my question. Hate films? He says in the article, I try to watch movies, and movie, people say you should watch this movie, and half hour in, I'm bored. And it's like, okay, I get it. Maybe movies aren't for everyone. I love movies more than I could possibly say. In fact, in November, we will be showing uh, at the Cine Family. Are we going to show Foxy Brown or Coffee? Or... We haven't decided what movie we're showing, but we're, if you were in L.A., Jennifer and I show a movie every month. Last month we showed uh, I Married a Witch with uh, Veronica Lake and Frederick March for Halloween. It was fucking great. Mm-hmm. Next month we're either going to show Coffee with Pam Greer or uh, Foxy Brown with Pam Greer. I think we're going to go Coffee. Or we might show Clueless. I was thinking Clueless for Christmas, though. <laughs> right? That's way harsh, Ty. 
Fucking Clueless is an awesome movie. Directed by a woman, written by a woman, based on a book by a woman, starring a bunch of women. How about that? My head didn't explode. I was able to get out. I still got a heart on the next day. No one took away my rights. I didn't want to underpay anyone. It was crazy what happened. Uh, Iggy Pop has a t- uh, radio show here on um, BBC Six. What is it called? Uh, he called his speech. He gave his speech. Hi, I'm Iggy Pop, said Iggy Pop at the start of his fourth John Peel lecture. Pop, the new hero of British radio, thanks to his Sunday afternoon show on BBC Music Six. That's awesome that you gave Iggy Pop a radio show. By the way, he can't get arrested in fucking America. I saw him last year in Norway with Jennifer, and it was the fucking greatest show. If you get a chance to see Iggy Pop, you must. Uh, Let's see, he wrote here. Broadcast in the early evening, it came with warnings of strong language because the ripe words are the very least you can expect when you ask one of the most dissolute stars of his time to address the nation. Much like Charlotte Church's lecture last year... Really? What was her lecture like? All right, listen up, you fucking cocksuckers. <laughs> this is what Iggy Pop said about the music industry. I always hated radio and the jerks that pushed that shit music in my tender mind. <laughs> Pop went on to talk about the schemers that populate the music industry, which he described as a pond, while wide as is very, as is very shallow. He told of his own lifetime commitment to continue playing no matter what, and the utopian ideals of the Stooges in the early years, his friendship with the Ramones, and the importance of musical study, which in his case came via a job at a record discount store in Michigan. Pop brimmed with character, wisdom, and wit. Stay away from drugs and talent judges. <laughs> That's so awesome. Uh, Iggy Pop is everything that rock and roll is supposed to be. When I saw him last year, he came out with his shirt off, and then later in the show, put on some clothes. <laughs> this has been the smartest man in the world. Will you play Lust for Life as we get out of here? Thank you very much for coming out. You've been the smartest crowd in the world. I've been the smartest man in the world. Thank you very much for coming out. Every page you turn to the Satchel page, every Velvet Rings Street, they're cool couple about. And if you have to buy bonds, make sure they're Gary U.S. bonds. I wish you nothing but love. Good night. <laughs>